Is the church really just a business that's after my money? Well, the answer depends on what kind of church you're talking about. Because the reality is, in the Western world today, especially in America, we have multiple different types of churches. You see, there's the church that Jesus built, and it's absolutely amazing. It's a church that's full of grace and full of love and full of truth. It's a church that can transform communities and will absolutely transform your life and mine. But there's also some other churches that operate quite differently that have taken hold in today's culture. There's the church that Celebrity built that's all about fame and popularity and putting on a good show. There's the church that Religion built that's all about rules and discipline. And then there's the church that Business built, and it's all too prevalent today. You see, the church that Business built is about numbers. It's about attendance numbers, more money coming in, and being bigger and better at all costs. And the church that Business built, it masquerades as some of the most successful quote-unquote successful churches today, but it's also doing a lot of damage because it's getting so far away from the church that Jesus died to build. And in today's episode of the Church Disrupted Podcast, I talk with my guest, Ken Arrington. Ken is a non-traditional missionary. He's a student of history. He started multiple nonprofits in different countries. This guy lives out what it looks like to be a part of the church that Jesus built. You also may have recognized him or heard him on TikTok or YouTube or across social media. This conversation was fantastic. We're going to dive into exactly what it looks like, how we can recognize when a church has become a business, how we can recognize the red flags of the church that business built, and how we can return to the church that Jesus built, the church that Jesus died to give us. Um, this was a totally life-giving conversation for me. I loved every moment of it, and I think you will as well. So if you're ready to dive into the church that business built and how we can bring it back to the church that Jesus built, then let's dive into this conversation together. All right, guys, welcome back to Church Disrupted with your host, Jeff Cochran. Uh, today, we got a special treat for you. Instead of having the normal roundtable conversations that you guys are used to, um, I want to introduce a guest to you. Um, you're going to hear from Ken Arrington. And Ken is a guy who I met on TikTok. And um, before I met him, I just saw some videos. And the more I heard your videos, Ken, the more I realized this guy has the same heartbeat that we have. <laughs> he loves Jesus. He loves the church. And he's over these toxic systems, yeah. right, that are hurting people. So I listened to a few videos, sent them to other podcast hosts. We were talking about them, you know, in uh, parts of the community. And uh, it wasn't very long before I just said, you know what? I'm just going to reach out. I'm going to shoot a message in the dark <laughs> and see if he gets it. Which the fact that you got it, I know is a miracle because – I get tons of TikTok messages and check about, I don't know, a quarter of them because there's so many that come in. They're hard to see, yeah. but you saw it. You reached back out. And uh, in just a couple of weeks, we've been able to make this happen. So uh, you've been doing a series called The Church That Business Built. <laughs> and that's the main thing that we're going to talk about today because we just started a series doing the same thing. Um, 
But before we get into any of that, why don't you introduce yourself, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, kind of how you got to this point, because you've got a really cool story, really cool background. Sure. Uh, I'll keep it as brief as possible. Uh, my name is Ken Arrington. Um, I am, uh, my wife and I, our family, we are on the field. I call it non-traditional missionaries. Um, and we basically, we've been all over the world. We've just been in the UK for five years. We've been in Wales, uh, where we uh, planted and directed multiple houses of prayer. Additionally, uh, we uh, planted uh, uh, a charity, a registered charity in the UK called The Gathering Place, which basically is a creative resource uh, for Christians outside of the church. And what I mean by that is it's definitely a resource for the church, but it's basically uh, outside of church governorship. So basically people are free to pursue the things that the Lord has put on their heart that might not necessarily fit into a normal church dynamic. Um, and there's a lot of that. Uh, also, uh, we have a, we have a charity, like, uh, the front of the shop basically provides free clothing, free toiletries, free food, uh, to anybody that needs it, uh, in the winter, basically, uh, free heating resources, heat, all other type of stuff, all free of charge, uh, to people that come in off the street. Um, and the big deal about it is, is that there's no sermon. You know, mm. uh, it's, it's, you don't have to listen to a sermon to get the free no. like, things you need. No, because normally that's a requirement. In exactly. States. You just come in, you receive, uh, you hang out and have some free coffee, do whatever you need to do and, and you leave. And what's amazing about the shop, uh, front, I mean, we we're back in the United States right now, but what was amazing about the shop is, is, and there are so many stories like this. People would just walk by the shop and all of a sudden just stop and you could just see them like, Ugh! And like turn around and they'd come inside and they'd go, what is this place? And what is this place? Yeah. And, oh, we do this, that, and the other. Are, are, are you associated with the church? No. Oh, I just feel so much love coming out of this place. True story. I feel so much love mm-hmm. coming out of this place. What is this? Oh, that's Jesus. So then all of a sudden, like there's a, a dynamic that is placed in there that – yeah wow, there's really no strings attached here. This is, you know, St. Francis of Assisi didn't say this, but it's attributed to him, speak the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Uh, So that's kind of how that that Mm. works. Um, But now we are uh, in the States for a short sabbatical. We've been abroad for five years. Uh, We've been here for two and a half months and we are leaving at the end of the month uh, to go down and do the same thing, but with an agricultural basis, uh, in Puerto Rico. Very cool. So you, right now you're in between, you know, mission stops You're in between what you're doing for the ministry. Yep. Um, but I think this is cool when you start a nonprofit, like what you guys did. So you do this registered charity in the UK, you can't hold on to it. It can't become about you. It can't become about putting money in your pockets quietly. No. When you know at any moment, your visa could be changed. Yep. It could be terminated. Yep. It could be denied. So you had to, you guys had to build this from the beginning in a way that was sustainable for people to run it when you were no longer One, you know, a, a part of what was going on. 100%. And that's why we're often called uh, non-traditional or the least American American missionaries people have met. <laughs> I love that. Because we don't come in and nothing. Hey, I'm, I'm patriotic as the next guy, but uh, we have a reputation, uh, especially in our churches in America for creating this box yeah. and then exporting that box and trying to shove it down into a place and say, okay, now you guys adjust to this. Uh, yeah. My wife and I, we completely reject that. 
Um, instead, we go to an area, we find what's the pulse of what, what's the need, what needs to be resourced, what's, we call it the song of the land, what's the song of the land yeah, uh, that. that we're going to speak to through the Lord and, and bring about with no strings attached. And when we went into the well situation, we knew we'd only be there for five years. Uh, or so we thought originally it would only be for three. Then COVID had a little bit of something to say about that. Uh, so then we were there for five. Uh, but we yeah. ended up, uh, we created it to give away. So uh, we there was never any, it's a charity. So there's no way that we can get paid from it. Um, I'm a trustee, yeah. I'm a chair, I'm on the board, so I can't get paid. So basically we created it to give away to the people of Wales without without our input. So basically I still serve on the board, even though I'm back here in the States, but I'm just like a deciding vote, you know, like, so if they all, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, what do you guys want to do? Let's do it. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and basically that's it. Perfect. Perfect. You guys are going to be doing similar stuff when you go to Puerto Rico now with the agricultural focus. But again, this is about giving something to the people that can be given away. That Absolutely. likely won't be your last stop. God still has more for you. Probably. I love that phrase though, <laughs> because you know, it, we're, we're both patriotic. We both love our country, but that we're the least American missionaries that yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah. I recently had a pastor who told me the same thing, or it really wasn't a pastor. It was a, you know, it was a friend who is going to a new church. And I, I had some concerns. He had invited us to check out the church. I had some concerns because of some model stuff that we're talking about right. today. Um, and I said, man, I just don't know. And I don't want to tell people to go to this church if it's not a good church. And his answer was, this is the least, we'll say mega church, the least <laughs> mega church, mega church that you've ever <laughs> seen. He <laughs> actually used a network, right. um, but I'm not going to call them out today. Right. I will save that for, we'll save that for another day when it's something bigger than, than just this. But I think that's the thing that people are looking for. They're looking for Jesus without all the strings attached. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for me, I'm in a place in my life where if I see strings, mm-hmm. I don't trust it because behind strings are puppet masters. Yep. I want Jesus without the strings attached. And yep. it is hard to unlearn all of the stuff that we've learned. Cause there's so many things I see now, Ken, that I thought were so good. Oh yeah. Um, and I, t- <laughs> man, I, I took up for, I fought for them. And now I look at it and, and just like many of our listeners, much of our community now almost feel guilty mm-hmm. and really do a lot of times feel guilty because I realized I was a part of hurting people for mm-hmm. so long. It's hard to see from the inside. Once you see the strings, you can't unsee them, though. And I think that's what's happened a lot in America is we have people really more than America as the West as a whole. Yeah. We have a whole lot of people who just distrust the institution of the church so much that they think they, they mistrust Jesus. Yep. When really they're desperate for Jesus, they just don't know how to separate him from the church. Correct. So, um, l- let's talk about this. H- how did this idea, that, you know, this stuff we're talking about um, and your experiences lead into that? TikTok series of doing you know, four or five minute videos about the church that business built. Cause dude, the stuff you talked about was spot on as someone who's worked in top 100 mega churches. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's all spot on, but it's coming from someone who's not really, you know, who's not lived in this movement the same way that I've lived in this movement. So yeah, d- tell us kind of how you got to that series and how it started. Well, the series started, um, well, I've been on TikTok for about a year and some change a couple of months and I don't, it's just crazy. Like I, I, before TikTok, I never even had an Instagram. And then all of a sudden, like one day my account just starts mushroom clouding and now you're digital famous. And yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. Um, and, and so it's very strange. Um, and I've been very comfortable 
over the last decade operating in the shadows, so to speak, of ministry and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but so I grew up, my, my father's a pastor and my father's father's a pastor, my great grandfather, like on and on and on and on. Mm. So I grew up in the system. Uh, and my father is the best man I might know. He's, he's the greatest man. Like, honestly, my dad is, is like, I, I knocked it out of the park with my dad, right? Like it's, he's just amazing. And, uh, but he was a pretty high up in, in, in the denomination that he was in back in the eighties or late seventies, early Mm eighties. And, um, he, my mom throughout her life suffered from depression. Um, and she just took off when I was like six, seven years old. And so at that time in 1981, um, that's right. I'm pushing 50. Uh, in 1981, um, if you were a pastor or if you were in, in this denomination, if you had a divorce, you're gone. Yeah. Uh, no if, ands, or buts. And so it cost. Didn't matter whether it was your fault. Didn't matter what yeah. was going on. Yeah. Didn't matter. And so he lost everything. And I saw all of his best friends, the guys that when they had lost their houses, the guys that when they had needed help. Um, they came, they came with us to us. They lived with us. We had families living with us. Uh, but mm-hmm. then when the tide turned on my dad, um, like they just rejected like him and me, obviously. And so one that, of the things that I've seen is when the system turns on somebody, oh, it's nasty, uh, man. people inside the system are scared to be a part of it because they're afraid they'll get that, happen for lack of a them. better term, that stink on them. Yes, exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. We, we, we lost we lost parts of our community. I never thought we would lose um, when we left the system. So, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, oh, hey, Six hey. year old. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> it's not, so, so for a while, my dad was an itinerant pastor and we'd travel around to all these big, and my dad is like the most charismatic, engaging person I've ever met. And like, so like he was being groomed before all this happened to be like, kind of like the next big thing. And mm-hmm. so when all of that fell apart, he's back into ministry now, but he runs a non-denominational church, old school style. Like, yeah. like he gets the phone call at 3 a.m. in the morning. He's there kind of guy, mm-hmm. like knows everybody in the church, like knows their names. Like, like, like he, he doesn't care if they give or if they don't, it doesn't matter. It's like, Hey, this is community. This is church. So, but because he learned from, from that, you know, what had happened in the past, um, but with me, it shoved me way out of the mainframe. Like, like I mm. completely rejected it. Uh, growing up, there was this, you know, deceit of bitterness, you know, that they like to yeah. say and all that sort of stuff. Um, but so I went to the other side. I used to own a religious bookstore. I used to, that was in all different types of religions. Uh, I was doing lots of, uh, my degree is in English lit, but my postgraduate work is in um, basically <laughs> uh, ancient civilizations and cultures basically surrounding the Middle East. So you could say, uh, you know, Christianity was a big part of that. The classics, so to speak, yeah. uh, four years Which, of Latin. You're phenomenal. For Thanks. people who don't know, you're phenomenal with history. Like some of the stuff that you've done, you did one recently on Halloween. You've done stuff on you know, women in the early church. You've done stuff on you know, the rapture season, like the historical perspective that you bring into it. If you guys aren't uh, following uh, Ken on TikTok yet, you need to. It's going to bless you. It is really good, and it's always from a very kind of serious academic perspective. 
um, of history that you can grab a hold of. Yeah. So, uh, man, you're using that and it's helping people a ton. Hey, Church Disrupted community, if you've experienced religious trauma, church hurt, or spiritual abuse, and you want to heal and let go of your triggers and hurt, then we want to help. The Forgiveness Link and the East Tennessee Mentorship Association are two partners of the podcast that exist to help you leave your trauma behind and start living your best life. Church hurt and spiritual abuse don't have to hold you back anymore. Rob and the Forgiveness Link team will help you leave your trauma behind and experience massive healing in as little as eight weeks. Their intensive process, it's faith-based, practical, and extremely powerful. I've experienced firsthand the transformative power of the Forgiveness Link process, and I would love to see you experience it as well. Dustin Stitt and the East Tennessee Mentorship Team, they'll help you find healing from a different approach. This veteran-owned business is faith-informed and will walk through the healing journey at your own pace with you. From groups to individual sessions, they'll help you continue to take consistent steps forward toward the person that you want to be and the life that you want to live. Both partners can help you transform your life, and we believe in both of them. One is more clinical and delivers fast-paced results, and the other is more relational and works at the pace that you commit to. But please, 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 please don't stay hurting on your own. Your church hurt experiences, they don't have to define you, and they don't have to hold you back any longer. If you're ready to step into healing and leave your trauma behind, please reach out to one of our partners. You can find out more information about them in the description below or at disruptedchurch.church on the partners tab. You can meet with either of our partners at no cost just to hear how they'll work with you. And also they'll let you know about special rates they have just for church disrupted community members. But regardless of which of these two partners you choose to work with, you'll be in good hands. And I can't wait to hear how your life has changed for the good, for the better, because you work with them. And, and so what happened, thank you for that. Um, what happened is, is my wife and I both, like we both, we, we were married before uh, we had completely rejected the faith. You know, I had grown up mm. like seeing people fall out in the spirit fall out in the spirit, not saying it doesn't happen, but like fall out in the spirit. Yeah. But then like when I was a little kid, I remember sitting on that front pew and looking up and as soon as they hit the ground, they're looking around to see who watched them, you know, fall mm. down, you know, and seeing the political side of things, the business side of things and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And then my wife and I had a very powerful encounter um, with Jesus, both individually. Um, actually, I, I know this is going to freak some people out, but I don't care. Physically meeting like, like Jesus, like, like, like mm -hmm. radically transforming everything about our lives. Um, I had a TV show that was getting ready to start I, and, and I couldn't do the show anymore because of this. Like, like the, the mm -hmm. change was so dramatic in me and my, my wife, especially, and then, then, then me. Wow. Um, well, and we, we struggle with stuff like that today, Ken, but that's a Pauline type experience. Yeah, it was, a, it was, Paul. it was a very, very much a Pauline experience. And so my wife and I, we just dove in head first. And at the time, uh, we were, I got to be careful here. Um, 
I have a series on this. Uh, yeah. But at the time, uh, we were kind of brought into this this other church that, you know, uh, I call it the friend, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, found out quickly um, that we were not in a church. We were in a business. Um, and, uh, and, and that learned. was the church that you attached to right after this experience. Right after. You're yeah. growing with Christ, yeah. and then you have this negative experience that mm. if it wasn't for the power of the experience you had with Jesus oh, I directly, no, you yeah. would have been out. No, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stood. But it's funny because, you know, you get these blinders on, and you're like, this is what I'm mm-hmm. supposed to do. Maybe this is different. Maybe this is different than what I grew up with, et cetera, et cetera. No, much worse. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was much worse. Um, but it was just um, – just, unbelievable and i come from a corporate sales background so um so i have been working you know all like my early 20s uh i was business 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 guy and so um i was like seeing some things and then like i'm also a research person i began to research and begin to uncover this this dirty dirty and yeah. and learning like the keywords seeker sensitive uh you know like things like that those are those are churches that are 99.9% of the time uh if a yeah. church says that um basically they are looking for new believers uh who have not gone through the machine um mm-hmm. and they that can be placed into the machine and it's not outright you know this is the thing man i don't think anybody sets out to go hey this is what we're going to do but there okay. are things that are used for growth, marketing tools and things like that, that, that really kind of boost yeah. that up. Yeah. One of our, one of our hosts on the podcast is a marketing guy and was a church marketing guy for a long time. And, and we even had just had the conversation the other day was he said, I'm not sure which parts I can even do anymore yep. because I'm realizing how some of these tools were, were used in ways that I didn't expect them to be, you know, to be used. But we talk about it on the podcast all the time. I, I've never met a pastor, even in, in these large mega churches. And, you know, I do church consulting. I do business consulting. So I see when I, I see when the business model creeps in. And for a lot of churches, there's more of the business model and the worst parts of the business model than there are in businesses. Yep. Um, I see more churches misusing NDAs than I see businesses yes. using NDAs. But I've never met one of these pastors that started out, you know, because they they wanted to build an empire, no. or because they wanted to control people. No. They start out because they love Jesus. Yeah. And uh, so I want to see what you think about this because I had this conversation with a friend the other day, and then we'll come right back, you know, to your story. Um, and I apologize, this is how our conversation hey, go. goes. A little yeah. everywhere. <laughs> um, but I was talking to a friend about this, and and he said, you know, these pastors, it's like they think the only thing that's going to make them happy are more people in the seats and more money in the plate. Like yep. the bigger they get, that's tied to their identity. Yep. And I, I hit him with this, and I just want to see what you thought about it. I said, honestly, I think they get to a point where they're unhappy. They don't know why. And then they get a dopamine hit from the next rush of growth. 100%. So they – they think that's what I need to be happy. Yes. And they spend the rest of their lives, if nothing wakes them up, chasing that thing that gives them fleeting happiness only to at the end realize the reason why they weren't happy a lot of times is because they had gotten too big and the systems weren't allowing them to do what they loved in the first place, which was relationships and discipleship with people. Yep. But because they didn't stop long enough to figure that out, they chased fleeting happiness that ran them away from the one thing that would make them happy. One hundred percent. What do you think about that? Am I am I, am no, I you're, off, or does that feel right you're, from your experience? You're on you're you're on the money. Um, I don't know a single pastor, um, when they first started, uh, that gets into it 
for the money. Because <laughs> yeah. let's be real, man. I mean, most pastors don't make squat. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like that's the thing that like I had to put some disclaimers on this little series because I, I realized when I, I did this episode and it hit a million views, right? And I'm just like, uh, like I saw it happen. And, and there was really, you know, you never know. It's TikTok, man. It's social media. You never know what's going to hit, right? And so I'll put this thing mm-hmm. on there and I was like, oh, I've hit him. I've, I've hit a, I've hit a, I've hit a wound, um, you know, and it's like, uh oh, here we go. And this thing's like, and and I I read through all my comments, um, mm-hmm. and and I might not respond to all of them because I've you know I've got two hundred fifty thousand followers. Yeah, I might not respond, yeah. but I read through everything. That's wise. I'm still trying to respond to all of them, and sometimes I have to go back and delete my response because it's not. Yeah, it's and yeah. and also because people are actually judging you by your response as well, mm-hmm. um, and and so you know what I was noticing was like all of a sudden all these things about like, Oh, well, pastors shouldn't be accepting money and pastors shouldn't be doing that and the other and all that. And, and I get where that mentality comes from. Um, but also growing up in it, like most people see, (laughs) see, here's the difference. See, Mm -hmm. I know like pastors, like folks that I've grown up with and friends in the family and things like that. And I know a lot of pastors who literally work like 80, 90 hour weeks, man. And they yeah. are constantly, yeah. they are like killing themselves for the gospel, like for, for next to no money for nothing. Yeah. For like yeah. beans. And, and then, that's the misnomer. Most even mega church staffers don't make hardly anything. Exactly. It's just the ones just, at the top just, of the system. Just the C-suite, just the, yeah. just the executive so it, suite. Yeah. Exactly. The C-suite, they're making CEO and C-suite oh, money. Yeah. Um, the most money I ever made, pretty high up, and you know, even in uh, a top 100 church, the most money I ever made was about 55000 Yeah. The- um, so most people aren't getting, they're not getting rich. And, and so I, I love what you're doing there and how you keep bringing that about because we don't want people to hate the church no. or distrust all pastors. No. It's the puppet masters behind the systems, yes. the ones that really do start benefit, benefit oh, yeah. it from it. Um, they also get that dopamine rush constantly. Yep. And now protecting the system is like protecting their own identity. Exactly. And that's the thing is they start to, to that becomes their identity. And, you know, if you go back scripturally, man, you go back into ancient church history. I mean, like the way that we currently structure the church has nothing to do with the original church. I mean, not even close. I mean, you know, I mean, not even in the same stratosphere as far as yeah. how the church is supposed to be constructed. But what we do now have um, in America um, is the way that, especially the larger church, the, the larger your churches get, um, there is a lot of funneling of money. And there is, you know, when you've got, when you've got building budgets, when you've got marketing, when you've got all those sorts of stuff that are bigger than your mission and outreach budgets. And when you are diverting mm-hmm. funds that are, that people give faithfully because they, you know, we can talk about the tithe thing, uh, but you know, when these yeah. churches push the tithe, the tithe, the tithe, this mm-hmm. old covenantal understanding of the tithe, the tithe, the tithe, and they and they keep pushing it, and people give it willingly, and then they give on top of it because they've been told, hey, if you do this, you're going to be blessed, um, it, because you're part of this church's covering, because you're because of all of this stuff, which none of that is scriptural. Uh, when when those things happen, um, you know, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's a lot of money. And, and yeah. man, I'm telling you, you, you know, this, you know, this as a, as a, as a, as a former, as a person who's been involved in this sort of stuff, you know, this for a fact And the dirty, dirty secret is when you're a pastor, you can write off everything. 
Yep. Everything. Like you, you, mm-hmm. your cars, transportation, food, entertainment, TV. It's the only, one of the only professions where you can write off your housing. Everything. You can write off yeah. everything. And and so when so basically you're living a tax free life with a tax free business. And so these things begin to to commingle and and that is when it gets dirty. Um, and it corrupts, you know, the best of us. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I've seen people that, yeah. that I mean, that are good people, that are good people, man, that, 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 that have the best intentions um, and stuff happens. But, you know, Jesus, because what happens is the way the church in America is designed is to create consumers, right? Okay, so you go to church because of what you get. You come here, you get blessing, you get covering, you get protection, you get, you know, you get blessed with Jesus. Jesus is is on this church, so therefore he's on you, uh, and Mm -hmm. they'll do just enough to keep you coming along, you know, and, but this is exactly what Jesus speaks against in John 6, and, and I've actually used this before in a church, and I was not allowed to speak anymore in that church after this. But in John yeah. 6, after everybody remembers John 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? But what people don't realize, and I actually did a TikTok mm-hmm. on this, a year, I think a year ago, what people don't realize is, is that after he feeds the 5,000, and there were actually more there, it's 5,000 men, there were more women and children. So these people track Jesus down later and want more. They want some more of that wonder mm-hmm. bread. Hey, where that wonder bread you gave us yesterday? Those loads of fishes. Yeah. I want some of that wonder bread. Yeah. And Jesus intentionally offends them. Says, "Hey, you know, you got you want bread? You got to eat me. You got mm-hmm. wine. You got to drink my blood." Which he knew was going to be highly offensive to a Jewish culture that was obsessed with cleanliness. Um, and and he didn't bother explaining himself. Not at all. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> left. Like everyone left except for the disciples. And even they were like, dude, we don't even know what the heck you're talking about. But like right now, like we're not leaving you. When you speak, something comes alive in us that, that mm-hmm. I don't understand. And that is the, the food that Jesus offers. The, the food that Jesus offers is the mystery, is the mystery of knowing him, uh, the mystery of engaging him, the, the ultimate power in the universe, the word that existed on the Father's lips before uh, he, creation even began. Uh, mm. that, that is the mystery uh, that we as a church should be pursuing, that, that intimacy thing that we sure. But what we've done uh, is created a system that creates consumers, that brings people in to consume, consume. And what happens is one of two things happen, either when the system can't consume any more from them or when they can't mm-hmm. consume any more for the system, they leave. That's why, a, that's why churches this, that are in the system are always considered seeker sensitive because they are looking for people who, who haven't gone through this process yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you have these businesses that they are, can stay in it the longest. They can stay in it the longest. They have the most to consume. Because I, I love that viewpoint because it really is both sides become consumers. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's really just who gets empty first. Yep. Does the church empty out first and the or you know the person empties out first and leaves? Yep. Or the church empties out first. You know what it is, but someone walks away hurt every single time. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
And we just did a series. Uh, we kind of started our series on the church that business bill. I believe it's going to air right before this, but if it hasn't, you're confused. That's because I didn't get it out. So um, I always hate having to say stuff like that because we're trying to time all this stuff up. Um, but we, we did a series on miracle offerings and the miracle offering season. Cause you talked about, you know, the tithe and we're going to be doing an episode in the series on the tithe where we talk about it round table. Um, may actually have a conversation with you, Ken, if you want to yeah, man, you know, join in with us Thank as you. well, because so much is misunderstood about the tithe. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, a lot of modern churches right now, and this is one of the things we hit on, the, one of the number one things I hear is that the tithe is where you start. Yeah. So, hey, we're That's trying just to get you up to the right. tithe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and then people are talking about bragging about double tithes from stage, these charismatic pastors. Mm-hmm. They're talking about giving, adding a percentage you're giving every year. Uh-huh. So you got people who have tithed all year, and mm-hmm. then they're asked to give sacrificial gifts that sometimes uh-huh. go, you know, over $100,000. Oh, yeah. Um, in these miracle offerings, because, you know, if you sow in that seed and you sacrifice and you have enough faith, look what God is going to do for you. Yep. And, and the issue there is that I've been in those churches and I know how that money is used and yep. how much money is wasted mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Um, and that's what bothers me about it. Yep. It bothers me that people have sacrificed so much to see it wasted. Now, a lot of churches don't do that, but there are enough oh, that yeah. do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, like, and, like, and like I said, it's, I don't want to, paint with two broad strokes and just be like big church bad little church good you know like that sort of thing because yeah. that's that, there's just as much abuse in small churches i've, I've seen that too oh, yeah. but i've also seen large churches that that do work really hard with systems of checks and balances and things like that and they've just been a church that has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and they have stayed you know in that vein of of Hey, we're, we're going after Jesus and things like that. I, I, we just spoke at an amazing, my wife did a worship conference. Um, we were in South Africa. Um, and oh my gosh, this church down there was just, man, like I, I actually cried and, uh, and I told the pastor, I was like, bro, I was like, you've actually given me more hope than for the church than I felt in years. Um, because, of of what they're doing in their church with their people with their community um wow. be, because of what they've been doing um they've been getting flack from other churches that are in the system uh you know that are like oh you're just you know blah 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 and um because man you know like i like i said i, I i've been in some of these meetings um where the, these these big church meetings, you know, before I wisened up, you know, and like had had my breakthrough, uh, you know, where I'm, I'm sitting in these meetings and nobody talks about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's no prayer, there's no opening up, there's no. It's did you get all the connect cards? How many new more, new names did we get this week? Did you get them in the database? Did you get everything ready on planning center? Do you have these slides at these times that are ready to, to get everybody? I just freaked everybody out. I said planning center and everybody just went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you've ever had to decline on planning center, that triggers you a little bit. Hey man, I love this. I've, I've just recently started volunteering at my church and, uh, getting back into worship. And, uh, the first thing the worship pastor said was when I send you anything on planning center, never feel bad for declining because it's my job to fill this spot. So decline, take care of your family, never feel like you have to come. And if you don't show up for a few months, that's fine too. As long as I know your family's okay. I love that. That was huge. Yeah. And you know, man, it's, I've, 
I've been in these meetings and, and all they're talking about is their growth and their tithe, how much tithe you get. And then one pastor will go, oh, this week I got this. And then the other pastor, the other church, because they're all part of this association uh, in this mm-hmm. in this in this region, you know, oh, well, we got this this month. Oh, well, we got this many new members. And it becomes like this. Um, what you tend to notice is in a lot of these um uh, larger churches, especially when they're part of a franchise system and you have a whole bunch of them, uh, they're all alpha mm-hmm. dogs. They're alphas. Yep. Um, and, and I don't like to go, Oh, it's been alpha. but, but I'm just being real, like to, to kind of put in place, I don't care what kind of a golly gee shucks, ah, oh, demeanor they put on, on Sunday morning, you know, this, uh, yeah. they are dogs. They are, they are, they are hyper competitive, hyper focused. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, well, you can't do it. You can't run that system without it. Nope. Even when you're still doing it because you love Jesus. Yep. Um, one of the things that drew me to that system was because I always grew things to where, like I would have pastors who would say, Hey, you've grown this youth ministry too much. The systems can't hold it. Um, and I always felt like people were holding me back, holding me back, holding me back. So I get in this mega church system and I love it yeah. because I'm that competitive alpha, yeah. you know, I, I can win at all costs. Yeah. And that's the way that God has wired me. But when the system takes it a little too far, then now you're no longer using what God gave you as a gift, that That's hyper-focus, right. that competitive drive. Um, so that doesn't mean these guys are bad, no. but they all have the things in them. If you are planting a church that is that is starting with over 200, you know, that is growing this big, you're only able to do that because you have these things in you. Yep. But the same gifts in you that allowed you to do it are also the buttons that the enemy will push every time to 100%. derail you. 100%. And, um, I've got a pastor right now that, that people who are close to me, they know that that's where a lot of my hurt came from. You know, someone in the system that I was great friends with. And, and I think there's this misnomer, Ken, that people think sometimes that, that I don't like him. I would answer his phone call today. Yeah. Um, if he and his family had a need, I would go do that today. Um, because I was actually having this conversation with my wife not too long ago with something that happened. I said, I, I still think he so loves Jesus and wants to do the right thing. He just doesn't know what it is. And after a while, we start believing our own lies about the system. Yeah. Because if we don't, then we have to admit things about ourselves. House of cards falls down. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, many of these people, they're not evil. No. They're not, they're not bad. Mm-hmm. There are a few that know what they're doing. And, you know, and we talk about that from time to time. Most of them, they're not bad. They've just gotten in a bad place. And when we can have a little bit of empathy for them, it makes it easier for me to talk about these things without, you know, completely just you know, spiraling because of the church. So I think that's important to say is there are, can be some people who are doing bad things and hurting people who need to be held accountable, but it doesn't necessarily make them bad people immediately. 100%. Um, I know a pastor, he is an amazing, I've never met, I've met, I've met few people with the evangelical heart that this guy has. Like he actually has a passion um, mm-hmm. like for going out into the community and, and working with, um, uh, you know, homeless and things of that nature. But he is so wrapped up and entangled with the system that he's in, um, that, uh, he can't yeah. see like what's like, what's been going on. And, and, and I, I love the guy to death. I, I think the world of him, um, I, I really don't have a negative thing to say about him. I think, I think, mm-hmm. but like, but like, yeah, people are like, oh, well, you know, I know you and this person don't get along. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I love this person and I will never say a bad word about them. And I will never recommend anybody not hang around them. It's just that the system they're involved with, um, uh, you know, seeing it from the inside out, it's, it's not good. 
Um, and, and, and so that's hard when you, when you're like, Hey, who's a person I can talk to? Oh, go talk to this person. But then they're a pastor of a church uh, of yeah. this church uh, that, that, you know, the system behind this church is complete franchise mm-hmm. model. It is complete, you know, and you sat in the meetings yeah. and you know, you know, you know, like, you know, and you're just like, Oh, you know, yeah. so in his case, it's kind of like, he's doing so much good in spite of like yeah. this is and there are there are those folks that are that are doing that there and i get emails i you know from this series i get mm-hmm. a lot of emails from pastors who are like hey i'm in this system uh and everything you're saying is 100 percent on the mark um and i just don't know like any other way to do it yeah effectively and and i think that's one one area that we're a place that we're kind of entering into i think with 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 social media and streaming and th- and mm-hmm. and you know i mean yeah and you do lose that sense of community and streaming like i can watch my friend's yeah. church in south africa and like it's great it's not as great as being there you know let's be real mm-hmm. you know like like but in the same token we are, what we've entered into is an age where all of a sudden this information is being disseminated and the scariest thing that, that I'm post, you know, I'm posting this series, the, the church, the business built, uh, I've been posting a series and what the scariest thing is the comments, like how many people are going, this is my story. Yeah. Like it's, it's very common, Ken, and it's so much more common than people realize. Yeah. Like, you know, so I'll have people who are inside the system who will constantly comment. If you're inside the system, here's the comments I'm getting with what we're doing with Church Disrupted. You guys are just bitter. You're just frustrated. (laughs) I have people who say, hey, you couldn't hack it. And it's like, no, I could hack it just fine. Right? They've got all these things because they're making assumptions. People who are not in the system either say, this is my story almost to a T. Thank you for sharing it. I thought I was the only one. Or... They're saying, I have a family member or a friend who's been this almost to a T. I thought I was the only one. And we all think we're the only ones, and we don't want to talk about it because people will call you a victim and this, that, and the other. I've got called all sorts of names. But the reason why people don't talk about it is, is one, they don't want to hurt their churches. They don't no. want to be dishonoring. But a lot of the people who have been hurt the most are under – they're either under other intimidation tactics or have actually signed legal agreements to say we can't speak yeah. about this. Um And that's probably the thing I've learned the most out of this. Um, We started this whole journey by not signing my wife and I not signing an NDA. And since then, man, I have seen NDAs that would make like your, your toes curl. Oh man. Bad. Um, Because people are finally trusting us enough. We can't go out anywhere else. We can't tell anybody else about the NDA, but we'll let you see it. Um, So I don't, we don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but we're getting ready to start a nonprofit here in the States. That's going to attach the podcast to it. But our number one mission is to, in the use of NDAs in the church. Exactly. Because you're seeing you're seeing that now. Those comments are coming in because this is very widespread. There's going to come a day, and I'll see if you agree with this, because you may not, and that's okay. Um, we all disagree a lot on the podcast. I think there's going to come a day when there's not enough people left who haven't experienced the system of the ministry machine or haven't been around someone else who's experienced it for it to continue. And I think it's going to, it's going to look successful and collapse overnight. It's coming it fast. Be decades before that happens. No. But when it happens, it's going to collapse fast because it's like you said, they need people who don't understand it, yep. who can consume for a while before they get hurt. Yeah. Um, I, 
you know, I, you know, as a church history guy, uh, a Christian history guy, you know, like every 400 years, there's, there's a major shift, uh, in the, in the Christian church. Um, and we are on, we are in the midst of the greatest reformation of the church the world has ever seen. Uh, and a lot of that reformation has to do with the destruction of this model, uh, that I completely agree with you, um, that, uh, it's not sustainable. Um, churches know it's not sustainable. Uh, so what you, you know, you, you know, we were just in Wales for five years, man. And, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the Welsh revival, right. You changed the Christian world for the last hundred years and it did. Yeah. Um, but you had two things going on. You had churches that were very small, made up of only eight or nine people, uh, that were the remnants of that revival. Um, that were still desperately holding on to whatever they could, and they were very strict and they were very limited in their mindset. Um, and then you had yeah. empty churches. Uh, and then you had the third type, which is the kind of the American model of church um, that you know that's been you know that's been exported over over to Wales yeah. or adapted because it's looked at as successful, but they don't have the same. There's a much deeper distrust. Um, of religion that that is that they have um, that that America is slowly uh, well quickly waking up to um, mm-hmm. you know America the the CEO model of church if you go back and look at its roots you know started in the late seventies really hit in the eighties and then you know has exploded uh, but people are you know are starting to realize there's more to it uh, there's got to mm-hmm. be more to it than just what is what is Christianity, right? Like, what is it? Is it going to church on Sunday in a small group on Wednesday and having the church control every little thing you do, you know, and and who you can be friends with and who what mm-hmm. you know what other churches you can visit? Lord forbid if you ever get caught visiting another church if you're in some of these churches, uh, you know, mm-hmm. any of this stuff. Um, it, none of that stuff uh, is from the Lord, you know, not a one of it, not a bit. And, and that is what, what, what gets my fire up and, and seeing people who like, you know, one of my big things that, that, that I've gotten, one of the emails that I've gotten that really just, I wouldn't say irritate me, but it's just kind of like, man, if you could just see, um, Mm -hmm. is the, oh, I can't believe you're speaking out like this. You're just so in division. I get that one a lot. Yeah. And it's just like, that has nothing to do with division. This is, this is basically, you know. Like, I, I love the church. I, I do. I, I grew up in it. I'm, I, I'm in a mission home right now that's provided by a church. You know, like I, 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 yeah. I adore the bride of Christ, that my life is committed to every, everything that I own, everything that I, I am, everything that my family mm-hmm. is, is, is committed to, to people stepping into the revelation of their true identity as a son or daughter of God. And that, that is, that is, that is my boom, my base. That is where I start. That is where everything that I do is rooted from. That's where all my social media comes from. That's all of that. But there has been a, the, the brainwashing has been so intense um, that people like it's it's the same thing that you know oh you're just so in division okay well i'm just speaking up about abuse right that's yeah. not sowing division that is basically giving an example of something that's happened to me something that's happened to people i know that's not that is not mm-hmm. uh, there is no 
there is no division there. There, there is an absolute love of Jesus, an absolute adoration of God and the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. and wanting to see the church become what Jesus intends and what the Father intends it to be. Um, you know, and because if hiding abuse is what it takes to protect the unity of the church uh, it's it's garbage no jesus people always come first yeah jesus would completely reject that just as he did it in his day that's what most people don't understand like like when you really you know when you really study jesus and you and you like take the blinders off and you look at what he's saying you're just like wow wait a second what are we doing like right you know like you know, mm-hmm. the way that churches have taken the widow's might story and turned it around, you know, oh, the widow was blessed because yeah. she gave everything that she had. She was the most blessed one there. It's like, that's not, oh my what, that, gosh. All right. that's not what that story's about. Y'all, this is so good. This is so good. <laughs> I, we, my wife and I were on the way home Monday because she went to a uh, speaking engagement with me over the weekend and we're in the car and we were talking about something with a project I was working on. And I said, you've got to hear this. And I just fired up that video. She has no idea who you are. And I'm like, you got to listen to like all five, six minutes of this. Cause, um, even as a pastor, theologically trained, I had missed so much of that about the widow's might story. And then on top of it, Jesus flipping the tables with the money changers in the temple. It wasn't about money. It was about marginalization of people. Yes. It was about spiritual abuse. 100%. And we miss so much of that because we're only hearing what people are, what people are teaching us. Yeah. Just like we miss in second Corinthians, we missed that Paul was talking about, hey, the New Testament model for giving is just to give generously. Just to give generously. Whatever you decided in your heart, yeah. we've missed that yep. because we made it about special offerings yep. where you give above and beyond the tithe, yep. which was not the context. But yeah, so t- tell us, give us the quick version of the Widow's Might story, and then we'll <laughs> link to, I'll actually link to that full video because people need to watch it. That, it. that was incredible. So the Widow's Might story is used by churches to encourage sacrificial giving. Um, and they use this model of Jesus in, is in the temple. There's the, there's the, you know, people that are like loud prayers, yada, yada, the Pharisees giving all this money, directing attention. Here comes this little widow and she gives the last two coins that she has. And it's like, Jesus, Jesus goes there. She, you know, there she is. That's all she had to live on. Um, and, uh, you know, da, 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 da. but churches teach that as, oh, well, she's going to be blessed. Jesus never said that. Jesus never said that. Like we've put those words in his mouth and those, those chapters and verses. Okay. So chapters and verses were not added to the Bible until the 15th, 16th century. Um, So, and they were strategically placed (laughs) in certain ways because you've got to realize that the guys that were producing these Bibles, just as the guys that produce Bibles today uh, are producing for target audiences. Um, So much like most people don't realize that, you know, they're like, what's the most accurate Bible translation? I'm like, well, which audience is being written to? And that's going to be the most accurate translation for that particular audience. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, but with the widow's might story, basically the way that the chapters and verses are rearranged is you don't actually see the out, flow of that story because what happens is right before jesus said like like the widow's might situation jesus is talking about how the the religious the pharisees the all these people they devour widows houses they're mm-hmm. they're big ropes and then literally next next thing that happens is there was no pause in the story no when jesus pause was telling no pause in the story this is still fun and as jesus is saying this here comes the here comes the exact thing and it plays out literally right 
in front of the disciples, like because Jesus is like God, right? He knows what's coming. So he's like, he's, he's using this and here yeah. comes the thing. And basically he goes, there she goes. She's everything. And so in the church, we're like, oh, well, she, she's blessed. Da, 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 da. Next thing that happens is they walk outside and the disciples are talking about this beautiful temple that's built off the backs of the people. Okay, so so this building was subsidized by the temple tax. So everybody was responsible for paying the temple tax. So they're outside talking about the wonder, how beautiful it is, the artwork, the frescoes and all this sort of of stuff. And Jesus is like, this whole thing's coming down. Like this whole system is coming down Mm -hmm. and it's going to come down within three days. And so basically what Jesus is saying, when you, when you connect the dots and you take out the chapters and the verses and you read this, what Jesus is saying is this woman is, is basically giving or being encouraged to give to a system that is falling apart mm-hmm. and is going to fall apart. And it's basically they're robbing her house. They're taking everything yeah. that she had to live off. The Pharisees, the uh, the rich, they give out of their abundance, but the mm-hmm. poor woman gave everything that she had to live on, and Jesus doesn't say anything about her being blessed. And I got so many negative emails from that that video, man. I mean, the video is much more descriptive. We don't have the time for yeah. it, uh, but I'll, I'll link to it so people can see. But it I, it's phenomenal. I got so much negativity from that because people are like, "Oh no, she's blessed. She's blessed. She's blessed." I'm like, "Show me specifically a verse." In this in this segment right here that says that, and well, that's because in American Christianity, our we're more biblically illiterate than we've ever been. Oh man! And Phew. so for for a lot of Christians, you kind of got two camps. For a lot of Christians, you've got the ones that the only thing I know about the Bible is what I've heard in sermons. Right. And then you got the other camp that I've read the Bible for myself. I've even been educated, and I still fall into that camp a lot. But I can't unsee through the lens that my spiritual leaders gave me. That's it. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and they're walking through a lens their spiritual leaders gave them. Exactly. And we, we read things kind of a verse at a time. And you have a lot of messages talking about the church that business built. And a lot of these mega churches and these big churches now, you can listen to an entire message and hear four verses that weren't together. <laughs> yeah. Because they're building a, hey, what do I want to talk about? Let me build verses around it so people know this is biblical. Yeah. We're never breaking down Bible stories. No. And I, I still, everywhere I go, because I come out of this mega church model, and even when I was in it, um, people would say, Jeff, you're such a good speaker. Like, I got so much out of this today. Like, you know, I, I speak at youth camps, and, and pastors will say, man, our kids love you. Like, you're you're the superhero. But then they ask, how do you do it? Because I speak for 45 minutes if they'll let me, and I use tons of scripture, yeah. right? And I actually tell them that's the secret. I just walk through the scripture and break it down, and people are hungry mm-hmm. for just seeing the scripture play out, yet that's the antithesis of the modern megachurch model, so it stuck out. Yep. There are a lot of uh, – most messages, if I go back and look at them, that I've watched recently, you got five or less verses. Yep. And they were read out of at least two translations yep. because it's all a proof text for yep. what I want my congregation yep. to do, the call yep. to action. That's it. And most people don't understand, and and I just let that cat out of the bag, uh, that most pastors don't preach their own sermons. Uh, they are – so oh, we got so much flack for that, man. Like we talked about that. We talked about uh, uh, the biggest churches having script writers, others buying their sermons. Yep. 
and uh, started sharing that a lot of these pastors are reading off a teleprompter above every camera, yeah. something that was written for them word for word. Yep. It was one of the most hated pieces of content. Oh, yeah. And every piece of content that came from it that we've gotten. I mean, I've even had some some pastors subtweet us about it. You know, like their answer is they've got people standing up for them saying, no, they manuscript their sermon because they care so much about every word. <laughs> Um, and people don't want to believe it. People don't want, and, and, and Ken, there are people, I know, I've got pastor friends who do, who really do care about every word in the manuscript, of their sermons, but people at these big churches don't want to believe this. So they look back, they see the teleprompter, they ask some questions, they get these easy answers. And now it's like, no, my pastor really does love Jesus. And then here's Jeff and this crew at church disrupted being divisive. When it's like, no, 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 guys, I wouldn't have said that mm -hmm. if I didn't know some of the script writers doing these, mm -hmm. but I've had more comments. They don't come on publicly because people don't want the shrapnel. Oh, no. But I've had more oh, yeah. like, messages from people saying, hey, my pastor got caught uh, reading other people's sermons. We found the sermons he was preaching, this, that, and the other. So this is wide scale. Oh, it's huge. It's but, massive. It's a massive but we don't. We don't want to believe it because it makes us feel bad about our whole faith story mm -hmm. when we do. So that's why we've got people fighting against the truth and fighting against reforming these things because it all comes back to our faith identity. Yes. So, um, so I'll, I'll give you this one and I want to hear kind of some of your thoughts because you've got tons in the videos. Um, but I've got a friend who sat on um, some of the big boards and leadership teams of one of these large churches. Um, and the reason why they did that is because they were one of the biggest givers. Right. In this very large congregation, so they work in um, they, they they work in a heavy science field where there's there's just a lot of money. Right. Um, but they said, you know, I had to leave a church because I realized how much of it was just about money. They said the moment that I realized there's only three things they care about more than anything, that's butts, bucks, and baptisms. Yep. And if the three B's are good, You're good. they don't care about don't care anything yeah. else. Yeah. So when I think about the church that business bill, I think about butts attendance. I think about baptisms, you know, so what, what you, how you're measuring new conversions, yeah. right? Which is normally where it stops. And then I'm thinking about financial issues. Yeah. Um, but for you, when you think about the church that business built, there's a lot of things you've talked about, but what, what are the biggest red flags that stick out for you of Oof. if you see these things, it may be time to ask questions. This may be a franchise model or business model church that you didn't know about. We don't want people just to leave their churches, but asking yeah. questions I think is helpful. So what are some of the biggest red flags you see about churches um, that are really just businesses? Uh, lack of real outreach, uh, lack of real mission. Um, and I don't just say that as a missionary. Mm. Uh, uh, we, most of our support come, I'd say 95% of our support comes from individuals, not churches. Um, and we don't have a lot, like my wife and I are both digital tent makers, so we don't mm -hmm. really depend on church funding. Um, but the biggest thing is, is lack of transparency as far as where the funds are, where the funds go, how much is actually coming in. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest one. Um, I remember back in the day, like when I was a little kid walking into the churches and they'd have the tithes from the last week, the attendance from the last week and all that stuff they'd have it up on a board, mm -hmm. you know, and that fell out of favor, obviously over the yeah. years, but, uh, cause people were like, Oh, that's all you care about. Well, no, it wasn't, but they, that was their way of being transparent. Um, yeah. and so lack of transparency, um, 
Uh, if it was all they cared about, those smaller churches I went to with the boards would have inflated those numbers. Yeah. They weren't always great. Yeah, no, they were terrible. Sometimes there'd be like 80, you know, you know 80 bucks, yeah. you know, or whatever. You know, so, so lack of transparency, um, lack of real mission. And what I mean by that um, is an outreach. Um, so, so like there's this new church uh, that's launching and I just, that is from the town and I just, and I started up the webpage because I had a friend that, that that's there. And there was like our, you know, our mission, you know, basically and it, everything was, I could tell immediately that, that, that it was a franchise church because everything was designed to funnel people into the church. Uh, there was no real outreach. There was no, there was no real mission. Uh, that, and what I mean by that mm. is, I mean, like a lot of churches will do like one week and two week mission trips. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like mm. actually funding missionaries, um, that are abroad, uh, that are not indigenous or that are indigenous to that region. Um, mm -hmm. so for instance, the church that my wife and I are actually a part of that we helped plant years ago and, and we've been abroad for, you know, five years, but, um, that we're still intimately attached to, and we're still yeah. close with, and, um, like th this church funds indigenous missionaries, not, not, not white people like me, but indigenous missionaries all over the world, um, because they are working yeah. within their communities. So that's a big one. So when I don't see, um, that um i'll i you know it's kind of like Ooh, you know yeah. um when there's and when you pair those two together those first two that you talked about transparency around like finances mm -hmm. and missionaries because there are some big churches that have kind of figured it out so they are um sending missionaries some of them are even sending indigenous missionaries but when you look at the percentage it looks like they're spending a lot of money on missions till you look at their total revenue yeah because their balance sheets say revenue so right um but like the EFCA, and this is something we talked about um, in kind of our documentary podcast episode um, you know, where we talked about miracle offerings. But the EFCA is all about, like that's the organization that people join to show we're transparent mm -hmm. and we handle our finances as well. And it's basically you pay to get this seal, but all they have to do <laughs> is they have to show about, they have to show about five lines. So really there's three things they have to show. What was our total revenue? what was our total excess or debt or deficit? Um, and then what's our assets yeah. versus our liabilities. Um, that's all they have to show. You have no idea how they're spending yeah. it. And, and like, just because it's one of the biggest, I will use them. Um, I don't think everything they do is bad. Sure. I'm grateful for much of what they've done, especially like the, uh, you know, you version Bible app, but life church as the largest church right now in America, um, they've got assets of almost half a billion with a B dollars tax rate. Yes, but there's no <laughs> there's no breakdown beyond again what was our revenue no. this year, what was our excess exactly. uh, you know uh, and, and deficit, and then um, here's our assets. We don't know how they spend yeah. half a billion dollars yeah. that's tax free. So even the the organizations they're joining and paying for that say, look, they've got our seal, they're above reproach with finances, literally says nothing. So we don't know if they're above reproach with finances. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like uh, when you buy a bottle of wine at the store. And it says it's won all these awards, and you find out that those awards were actually created by the wine manufacturer that actually is the, the conglomerate over that particular wine. Yep. It's the same yep. thing. Uh, well, it, so I checked into the EFCA, and you, the only things you have to do to join it, you have to fill out a form, you have to pay a fee, and you have to get an audit, a certified audit that says we're not doing illegal things, right. and then give that, t that tiny budget, yep. right? So it's uh, that's all you got to do, yep. and then you have this seal that says, oh, you can trust this church financially, um, 
is part of the reason why they're able to keep doing that. And then you pair that with, you know, hey, we're giving to missions, but we may be giving half of a percent to missions and spending 3% of our total budget on haze for praise and worship. Yep. That's a big discrepancy. Yeah. And and also it depends on like, like, so a church and, and I've discussed this in one of the videos, like they can, with that mission budget, there's so much gray area there where they can take out of the, where people believe that they are giving to missions, where people believe that they are giving X, Y, Z to missions. But what they're actually doing is they're, they're reallocating that mission budget for the mission of the church, which can be whatever they want it to be. Um, and, and I talk about this and, and basically there was a, uh, a church that uh, they had just got a new sound system. They wanted a newer sound system because they wanted to mm-hmm. appeal to more people. Uh, I still haven't really figured that out, um, but because they were doing just fine. And what's in the next video is they actually come out with another bigger light system later. Uh, but that's a, that's a whole different. And Man, basically I'm like hanging on edge waiting for these dude, to come out until they, the series they, is done. They, You've done such a great job with it. They justify like, so so this is this is the biggest thing I think is that people don't don't get this is that these sermon series that come out they are designed for certain times of year, uh, to, and they all have a call to action. They all have like a, a, there is a reason that they are using the sermon series at a certain time. Uh, the easiest one to go with is obviously the Easter sermon. Everybody knows that's going to be. Uh, that's 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 game day as the big churches call it all hands on deck everybody they're going all out they're doing all the stuff they're going to get people in you know, jesus died for you da, da, da. you need mm-hmm. to live for him you know the same stuff and then you know that gets yeah. those people in there and they're hooked that's when the best worship is they'll have the most attractive worship leaders on stage they'll have the most talented folks on stage this is the big show the biggest light you know all that sort of stuff christmas mm-hmm. is similar uh but it doesn't have the weight of easter um, Christmas might mean more monetarily in the punch. Easter means more people in the flow. So people come yeah. to Christmas services because they're doing the family thing. Easter is that's that's the one that emotionally you're deeply moved with what Jesus has done for you. Mm-hmm. Then you come back the next week. The next week they're not going to give the tithing sermon. They're going to wait about six weeks mm-hmm. for the tithing sermon. So the next week you come in, you're there for about two to three weeks. They see who's still there, and then comes the leadership sermon, which is basically. Yeah. The the leadership sermon is the hey, you know, we need more leaders, we need more, we need your voice, mm-hmm. you know, da 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 da. And there's this new influx of volunteers. They get put into a discipleship program, which is not really a discipleship program, it's a volunteer mm-hmm. building volunteer building program. It's, and it's a system funnel. Too, yeah, it's because it it's, says it is a funnel. Yeah, your 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 next steps program, your growth track, all those things, they're designed to do a few things. It's get you to start tithing. Make sure that you're baptized 100%. or you get rebaptized yeah. because that number matters and it's to get you involved in volunteering. And we call that discovering your purpose, but yep. it's really our purpose for you. Exactly. <laughs> then there's that next step when you volunteer and you do well, where you can get into the leadership college or you can get into the discipleship pathway or whatever right. it is. And before you know it, you're working 40 hours volunteer on top of your 40 hour job a week that you're not getting paid for and you're burnt out. Because it's all a system funnel. True story, and it happened to me. And I'm, I look at myself as a very smart guy. Uh, but they, basically, what they do is they take advantage of your passion. They take advantage of your faith. They take advantage of how much you love Jesus and how and 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 
because like I said, I personally had, and my wife had radical encounters and we were told that this is what you are supposed to do. And, but what happened when I got involved in that system, when I felt farther away from Jesus than I ever felt, you know, cause I was dog tired all the time. And I realized all of the friends that, that we made in this community, uh, I began to realize that the manipulation and the brainwashing was so great that the minute we walked away from that system, um, that was it. And it happened, uh, you know, and, and it's a story that is, that I hear over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And that is not God's intent. That is not Jesus's intent. That is not the Holy Spirit's intent. And I feel a great sorrow, um, in it, like, I feel compassion. Like when people write me and like they're nasty and they're negative and I get more hate mail from, it's hilarious. Like I, I get the nastiest people that love Jesus say the nastiest things. And I get the nastiest things said about me and, and said about my family and, 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 you know, all sorts of sorts of stuff. But when I see that stuff, you know, there's a part of me that like, you know, obviously it's like, you know, like, man, gosh, you know, but the biggest thing is yeah. I feel compassion because they don't understand what the system is doing. Um, I believe that there are pastors that are in the system that want to see a change um, that they know. I mean, you have to be ignorant to not know. There's so much yeah. out there. Um, but a lot of that's painful too. Like, I feel so much compassion for these folks because like they, they just, they want to make a change. Like there, there's such a, a huge deconstruction movement, right? So you've got this deconstruction movement and people in the church are honestly, they're afraid of it. They're terrified for it. You know, they're, they're like, Oh yeah, deconstruction, blah, blah, blah. But they don't realize that a lot of these people that are in this deconstruction movement, they're not, they're not, they're not. Yes. There are a lot of people that are bitter. Yes. There are a lot of people that are hurt, but a lot of these folks, have actually read the words of Jesus and they've read the word and they, and they, and they've read acts and they've read, you know, the epistles and the, uh, and all this sorts of stuff. And they're saying that this is what we're doing is not what we should be doing. You know what I mean? Like, like, like this is, this isn't, this model isn't what I'm seeing in the church. This, you know, this, 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 this is, this is totally different. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people are deconstructing just because they're finding that, that while their churches may pay lip service to Jesus, um, in their heart, they're actually being motivated more for, for money, power, political gain. Let's not even go down that road. Uh, like, like all different types of stuff instead of motivated from 100% the love of Jesus. And I think that's why a lot of people are deconstructing. But some people's relationship yeah. with, they cannot separate the relationship of Jesus with the church because they've been told that there's no other way to understand uh, understand Jesus. But Jesus is the greatest reformer that ever walked the face of the planet. <laughs> So anytime you integrate him into your life, it's going to literally blow up every system. Um, and when you let him radically move in your life, like you're like you're going to find yourself like me, literally giving away, not selling, but giving away everything that you own twice hmm. to to go and do what you feel the Lord has told you to do um, in a way that a lot of time offends people in the church because it's outside of a system of control. And that's, yeah. uh, 
you know, because most people in churches are, you know, uh, I did a video on this recently, are of a fixed growth mindset instead of a, uh, instead of a, a growth mindset, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, most people that go to church, like I said, in that method of consumerism as an American, uh, at consumerism, um, they also just want to be told that everything that they're doing is okay. Yeah. <laughs> most people well, don't want because- to be challenged. If you're not, and when you do get challenged again, people don't feel like you're just challenging the system of church they go to. It feels like you're challenging my entire faith journey and belief system. Absolutely. Um, And honestly, I mean, going back just a little bit, but you you were talking about the the communities that you lose Mm -hmm. when you leave these churches because the brainwashing goes so deep. I think some of them, I think there are people who stay in churches once they've seen the truth, they know it's toxic. They know it's dangerous. They stay there and try to thread the needle because even though they know it's dangerous, they don't want to lose their entire community. 100%. So they stay to not lose that and they stay in the middle of it. Um, and we've had quite a few people who've talked to us about, you know, you know, they see things, they see things that are going on, but they've also seen what we've lost. Mm-hmm. They've seen what you, what you've lost, what others have lost. And they're scared to lose that. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing is, is, you know, people losing their community, pastors losing their, their livelihood, mm-hmm. right. Their, their way of life and people feeling like when they see it for the first time that they're almost losing their faith. Yep. Um, those are big things. Yep. And it's why we're fighting to protect the system so hard that I would agree with you. I think even a lot of pastors who were in it and benefiting from it would say it has to change, but they're scared of what that would look like for them. Absolutely. It's become such an identity issue that that's why people react the way they do when we talk about it. It's not just because they're hateful. It's not because they don't like you or because they don't like me. It's because they're scared when people like us talk about these things. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's this great meme out there. There's this guy up on a lectern that says, who wants change? And everybody raises their hand. And then the next paper, the next picture is, who wants to change? And nobody's like, "Mm mm-mm. Nah, not me. <laughs> Let somebody else start the change, and then I'll join in later. Yeah. Um. And and you guys, I mean, like right now, you you guys are are kind of forerunning this thing, you know, like because this is the thing that people don't understand. Um. Like when I when I bring up a criticism, is is that I they don't understand where it's being motivated from. You know, mm-hmm. um, and they they think that oh you know you're just trying to sow division. I, I'm I'm doing the opposite. Like I'm I'm yeah. trying to bring us into unity as a body. There's already enough division. There's forty nine thousand denominations for God's sake. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. There's enough division already. Right. I, there's no, there's nothing I can do that's going to create any more division than <laughs> what's already out there. <laughs> right? But but what we can do is we can all come together where we agree, and that's the love of Jesus. Right. Like that's the solution yeah. to the problem. And the other solution to the problem is realizing that that I am not a pastor. I am not a missionary. I am not a worship leader. I'm not a I'm not a worship pastor. I'm not the financial officer. I'm not these that or the other. I am a child of God. And in stepping Mm. into that realization, okay, now that I'm a child of God, daddy, what should I be doing? He'll give you the answers. And I can guarantee you the answer is not in a 10 step business program designed to funnel new people into a system, churn them up and spit them out and just feed more people in. That's not, that's not the answer. (laughs) Well, and it's, it's funny, you know, when when I talk about things like next steps and growth track, and there's a bunch of them, those are just the ones I'm most familiar with. Because so many people are using the growth track model from ARC because it works. Um, And I've got family who's a part of, you know, 
arc churches and stuff. So I get a lot of people who are mad, but these are literally called in when, when you're talking with staff, these are called assimilation processes. Onboarding systems. Yeah. This is our assimilation process because yep. we got to assimilate people who weren't giving and yep. serving into a process that they now are giving and serving. Um, and then we can use them because, and, and nobody wants to say use them. No, that's, that's what if, it is. If, they want to use you. If we're not yeah. leveraging your gifts, <laughs> then we're not going to have we're not going to have a thirty five million dollar excess yeah. this year. Yeah, the code, right? the code and, words, man. The uh, yeah is it, um, and we got to protect this half a billion dollar business or this you know you know hundred million dollar business or whatever it is. So because um, because we're we're get, we're we're bringing in people for Jesus. We're bringing in people for Jesus. We're we're we're, let, we're introducing them to the Son of God. Look, man, yeah. people have already heard about Jesus. There's not yeah. a single person that lives in America that has not heard about Jesus. What people are missing is people being like Jesus. That's right. And, and that's, and that's it. And, and so that, so that's when I, when you ask the question, like, what are some things to look out for when a person goes in is just like, do you see this church actually active in their community? Do you see people in this church sacrificing, sacrificing hours, time, but not just sacrificing it for the church, sacrificing it for mm -hmm. the community, sans cameras, like yeah. no, no photo ops. Like daily and weekly, not just on the serve day where yeah. everybody's taking video uh, or not just when the news is going to be there or disaster happens. Exactly. Like, and, and so if, if, and that's, that's the biggest thing is, is, you know, what is your, what is your worship? You know, like, like what is the, 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 you know, like I've, I've been on the end of those emails that, Oh, we need these people to stand here, here, and here to motivate the, the congregation. Now, you're not trying to motivate the congregation. You know that an active congregation is a giving congregation. Uh, you know, it, it, there's people don't, but see, people don't want to see that. They, they don't want yeah. to, to feel, no one likes to feel manipulated. Nobody. Yeah. Right. Nobody likes to they, they, wait. They pulled one over on me, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but like, that's what's, that's what's happening. And it's been happening yeah. since the fourth century. Like, like how, how things have been, have been, you know, kind of, mm. you know, changed around and we've just really perfected it. But the thing is, is that I, there are, there is a generation and I believe that generation is now that they're, they're starting to ask questions. They're starting to go, wait, this yeah. isn't right. Like, like this, this is not Jesus. I don't see Jesus in this. I don't feel like the no strings attached, like full on love of the Holy Spirit that is just smashing into me going, what is this place? Mm. What makes this place, this place? What, why does this place, why does this, why, do, why do you feel this way? What's different about you? Mm. Um, that, 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 that makes you live your life the way that you do. And that's what, that's real discipleship. That's when that comes in you bring that close person in and they do life with you. And like most churches will talk about doing life with you, but the second you step out of that church door, they're done doing life with you. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, yeah. you, you, you leave that church, you go somewhere else. They're done with life for you. They're, they're done. And, and it's like, you don't exist. 100%. Honestly. 100%. And, and it's, it's just, that's not Jesus, man. Like, like that's the thing I look at. That's not Jesus. And I've done that. I've done that to people. I didn't even know I was doing it. Like, you know, I was, mm. I was part of this church system. I'm, you know, volunteering all this time. Yeah. People leave the church. I never even thought to reach out to those people. Oh, they're not here anymore. Yeah. I'm busy doing my church stuff, you know? And then you're like, wait a minute, but what is the church stuff supposed to be? The church, the people that are in the 
church that's the church like like everything else is just it's just a building it's just lights it's just smoke and mirrors it's 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 the church are the is the people are the people in the building and that is what uh i think there is a great reformation going on right now i i truly believe it i think my tiktok account proves it out there are other people that their tiktok accounts prove it out especially people who like me who can be very uh uh let's just say not easy like like that mm-hmm. like i i intentionally make my videos to make people question things like like wait why was i taught this Absolutely. how was i taught this what what was the goal of and to get people thinking in those types of things because we're taught how to think or we're not taught how to think we're taught what to think instead mm-hmm. of being taught how to think churches teach people a lot of churches teach people what to think i don't want to be taught what to think i want to learn how to think how do i engage yeah. jesus how do i like if he's real and and he's not just a, a motto on a bulletin board or somebody like hey you're good to go like yep. if he's real how do i engage that how do i how do i how mm. do i how do i feel his presence how do i know that that his his beautiful hand is on my life and the only way of yeah. doing that is by engaging in an intimate relationship with him. And that relationship is not yeah. dictated by a church. That relationship is not dictated by anyone else. That relationship is dictated by you and Jesus. And a church mm-hmm. and a church's job as a community is a place where we're supposed to come together on Sundays and actually share in our victories of what Jesus has yeah. done during the week or, or what he mm-hmm. has done in our lives, what how, how he has moved and how we are supposed to relate That's to one right. another and how we're supposed to, to worship God, like for us to love God, not because he demands worship, but because he's worthy. He's worthy to be worshiped. Mm. That's the whole reason that we're supposed to be going to church, uh, like coming together as a community. But we've bastardized it and we've turned it into a business that consumes. It strips and consumes and takes everything. And that's not what he wants. That's not what he wants. Well, and man, there are a lot of businesses that run better than the church when it's trying to be a business. And the reason why is we were never called to be a business. So we're going to do it poorly. <laughs> right. Come on, um, man. But I, I, so, I mean, I am my main job is as a business consultant. So I'm, you know, I'm working with larger businesses and they can't believe some of the stuff that churches are doing. And it's not because churches are more evil than businesses. It's simply that churches will always be bad at being a business. Okay. Even when the yeah. money's good, they will crash. Eventually we'll be bad at being a business. So we were never made to be Correct. a business. That's not what it's about. And the church and the community is vital. It's important. But what you were talking about a moment ago, if our relationship with Jesus isn't healthy first, then our relationship with the church can never be healthy. Correct. Uh, but the church doesn't teach that. Mm. They want to be almost the holders of the relationship. Gatekeepers. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think one of the other things that keeps people stuck and keeps people struggling. So you, you got two camps again. You got the camp that's, you know, I'm just going to deconstruct everything and tear it all down and ask all the questions. <laughs> Um, which deconstruction I'm totally fine with as long as you reconstruct something yeah. thoughtfully. Deconstruction right? without reconstruction is destruction. I completely agree with that. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. You're, you're literally quoting me back to me right yeah. now, which is what I love. Um, but at the same time, you got people who are scared to death to ask questions. Yep. Ones who want to ask all the questions, ones that are scared to ask questions like their faith can't handle it. Your church may not be able to handle your questions yep. depending on your church. <laughs> A lot of them can. <laughs> Your church may not be able to handle your questions, but your God can always, always. handle your questions. Mm-hmm. Jesus is always okay with those questions. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I tell people that a lot too, because people jump on my social media, Ken, and they're doing the same things and they're, you know, they're, they're tearing me a new one. And I remind them the point of the shorts, um, the YouTube shorts, the TikToks, the Instagram reels that I post, they're never fully in context because yeah. it's two hour yeah. conversations on average. Absolutely. So I'm not posting them trying to give you all the context because yeah. I'll get that a lot. I'll explain myself to someone after a while and they'll say, oh, I get that. You should have given more context. No. <laughs> the point was everything I post is to make you curious and make you ask yeah. questions and make you think. 100%. And for some people, it's like you failed the test because it immediately was an affront to what you already believed. So you fought over it. But, um, well, man, I want to honor your time. And, you know, we, we both got appointments and stuff coming up today. But, uh, I mean, I would love it if, if you're comfortable. I'd love to do this again. Yeah, man. Have some more it. of these conversations. Um, this has been fantastic. Um, I'm going to link to, for those of you that are watching, um, you haven't got to check in, you know, out Ken's stuff. I'm going to link to his TikTok account. Um, you know, may link to some other stuff as well. Uh, but we'll link to some of these specific videos we talked about where you can see tons of the red flags. I think it's, uh, you know, there was one full video that was just red flags. Yeah. And then there's a lot of other ones in the other videos. You're going to notice a lot of the stuff that we talked about on the church disrupted podcast, some things that we haven't, but I can tell you as someone who's been in the system, there's not a thing he said that is not true that isn't happening at a lot of churches. These are not isolated incidences. So you can look at those for yourself. And when you see those red flags in your church, don't get mad. Don't leave. Mm -mm. Don't call them heretics. No. All we would encourage you to do is ask some questions. And the number one way you can tell if you're in a toxic environment or not, because toxic usually means it can't change in a toxic environment. The church leaders and pastors can't be questioned. Boom. They will always redirect you. Yep. And in a healthy environment, they're willing to let you ask tough questions, and they're going to give you real answers that make sense that don't always make them look good. Yep, that's and it. A lot of those are going to come with apologies or <laughs> disclaimers or frustrations. So um, if you see those red flags, ask those questions. But um, as we just kind of land the plane today, Kim, um, anything else that you want to leave our listeners with today when they're thinking about whether it's their church, their experience, another church? Um, even hurt they've experienced in the church. Anything you want to leave them with regarding the subject of the church, the business building? Your church leadership is not Jesus. Your church leadership is, uh, is uh, they don't hold the gates to, to, to the kingdom of God. The, the, the church and the kingdom are two different things. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, not all churches are bad. Uh, mm. there, there are really great churches out there that really love the people that are involved with them. No church is perfect. No community is perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but don't despair and, and don't let your hurt and your bitterness uh, put you off Jesus. Cause I'm telling you right yeah. now, once I got out of that environment, uh, once my wife and I got out of that environment, our relationship with God exploded and we've been all over the world um, meeting people uh, and telling them that they're loved. And uh, so yeah. don't give up. Don't give up. That's the thing. Yeah. Don't give up. That's awesome, man. Well, Ken, thank you so much for your time today. I know this, is, this has been incredible. Um, for those of you, you want to see more, again, we'll link to that stuff. Go check it out. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Um, I always enjoy watching everything that comes across my feed from Ken. He's one of the few people that I watch everything I see because it's going to make me think it's going to help me to serve people better. Um, and it's going to keep me from getting stuck in the systems that inevitably come even with what we're doing right now. So Ken, thank you so much for joining us today, oh, man. man. We're grateful. Thanks for, and, uh, for every, 
every person who's watching, every person who's listening, um, as we always want to say, but we always want you to know we mean it. We love you. We're grateful for you. And uh, you can take this journey to healing one step at a time. God's still got so much to do through mm-hmm. you. And even for the the people who are listening, the pastors who are listening, who disagree with us, um, you're always open yep. to come on the podcast. <laughs> we'll have a great conversation. I would love to hear your side if I've missed something. Um, but even if you disagree with everything that we've said, is there one thing that you've learned? Is there, there, there one step that you could take that would make your church look more like Jesus? And if so, we've all had a win today. Uh, but guys, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Church Disrupted.